The Simon whom Jesus did not call Peter, but who was one of Jesus' twelve disciples, was known as the Zealot. This means that Simon was, in some way, affiliated with the Jewish political movement that sought freedom from the Romans. Freedom at any cost. They could be violent in their opposition to Rome. They did things that bear a striking resemblance to what we call terrorism. A narrow sect of the zealots called the Sicarii were eventually the reason that Rome sacked Jerusalem in 70 AD. They all died in the Jewish fortress of Masada under Roman siege. What was Simon's affiliation to the zealots? We don't know. Maybe he was all talk and got the label for being very verbally anti-Rome. Maybe he was more involved, rallying allies to the anti-Roman cause. Maybe he even participated in the violence. Maybe he died with the rebels at Masada. We just don't know for sure. All we know is that he was zealous enough to be labeled the zealot. What attracted him to Jesus, then? We also don't know. Maybe he liked how very Jewish Jesus was. Jesus was even more Jewish than the Pharisees and could and did point that out to them regularly. He was a better keeper of the Sabbath and of every other law, too, for that matter. Or maybe Simon liked that Jesus won his popularity by taking care of people at which the Romans were failing and were thereby pushing people into political movements like that of the Zealots. Or maybe he got excited about Jesus' ability to shake things up. Maybe he was attracted to the Jesus who could overturn tables and whip people out of the temple. And maybe he was the first to make the connection between that and what we call Psalm 69 verse 9, which says, Zeal for your house will consume me, and which John connects to the table-turning incident in his gospel. We don't know what drew a zealot like Simon to Jesus. All we know is that he was one of the twelve. We know nothing about Simon besides his political affiliation and his religious one. Which strikes me as funny at this moment in my life when so often those are the first and often only things I learn about most people I meet. I don't think it's just because I'm a pastor who just moved from Southern California to Northern Wisconsin. It seems to apply more broadly than to just me that people are announcing their political affiliations as much as their religious ones. What saddens me is the total lack of distinction between the two. That people assume affiliating with a certain political party is the same as affiliating with a certain religion and vice versa. And I get that there's going to be a certain amount of overlap, right? Because both politics and religion are concerned with what's right, right? But there's a difference between having rights and being right, right? Like, yes... You currently have the right to marry or not marry anyone of any gender, but that doesn't mean you are right in your understanding of what marriage is. And yes, you probably have the right to buy as many guns as you can legally get your hands on, but that in no way guarantees you're going to make moral decisions about how to use them. So there's overlap. But it's precisely when there's overlap that distinctions matter most. And the real trouble of it all, and the true source of my sadness, is that one of those affiliations matters so much more than the other. 
and which one gets voiced louder, and which one's reputation is more damaged by failures to acknowledge the distinctions and by willful denial of the distinctions, so that people assume that if you love owning guns, you hate gay people, which is bad enough, but because some Christians can't make that distinction, people also assume that Jesus loves guns and hates gays, neither of which is true. But how could anyone tell based on your bumper stickers? And I don't bring this up only to criticize and virtue signal and sit on my high horse of political apathy and pretend religious superiority. I bring it up to suggest that maybe Simon offers a solution. Simon the Zealot, the disciple, was called the Zealot, probably only to distinguish him from the other Simon, the disciple, whom we call Peter. We know nothing more about his political affiliations. We know a lot more about what it means that he was a disciple. Even without knowing what drew him to Jesus, what we know about him is that he followed Jesus. He was zealous for Jesus because Jesus was zealous for him, zealous to teach his disciples, zealous to die for his followers, zealous to rise for his believer. Jesus' zeal for what's right defines Simon's life so much more profoundly than whatever rights Simon may have advocated for politically. We know that because of the 12 disciple-follower believers, we only know one of their political leanings, and even that tells us nothing about him, which leaves knowing that he was one of the 12 to tell us so much more. If you're hearing this, then you're a listener, and I assume about my listeners that they are disciple-follower believers in Jesus. That's the most important thing I can know about you. And not knowing much else leaves me to know only that and to assume that it's the most important. I hope other people get to assume the same, that the thing that distinguishes you is your zeal for Jesus, who is zealous for you, no matter who you voted for. You and I are dust and breath, loved by God, bought by Jesus. This podcast is written and produced by me, Ethan Cherney, a Wells pastor serving Bethel Lutheran Church of Menasha, Wisconsin. Get in touch on Facebook at Dust and Breath Pod, on Twitter at Dust Breath Pod, or by emailing dustandbreathpod at gmail.com. Outro music arranged and performed by Mr. Peter Shewey, who is like figs ripe before harvest. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe. And if you could leave a review in iTunes or just share an episode on social media, I'd really appreciate it. It's the only way other people can find the show. Now, go do what God made you to do. Be who God called you to be. Go see what God can do with dust and breath and faith in Jesus, his son.